But at the same thing, I'm also a lazy fuck, and I only set mine up to go. Ah, no, it's like if I don't download a chapter, it'll just start. It'll just start using network or Wi-Fi. <laughs> but I try and download the uh, the mega that I want to read, just so I can have an easy way of going. Okay, this is good. This is good. This is good. This is good. Uh-oh. Well, yeah. I'm just thinking that we may want to just, you know, delay it a bit just so you can enjoy the show as a show. Yeah. And then eventually go back and actually see how it was. Because mm -hmm. essentially it's redoing stuff that was done 20 years ago. Like, are we recording right now? Okay, good. <laughs> uh because I did decide to go back and reread One Piece, and roughly speaking, it has adapted the first hundred chapters of the manga. Uh, over eleven hundred. Yeah, but one thing you have to understand is that Oda, when he first started One Piece, he already knew the ending by the first chapter he completed at least the rough outline of what he wanted to do and he expected it to take about like four to six years yeah that didn't pan out <laughs> no he had to extend things so I do wonder if he is going to try to learn some things and try to actually make uh, the One Piece show live action actually, you know, uh, finish on a much more reasonable timetable. Because I feel like I don't want it to become another Game of Thrones. Of where it feels like the actors wanted to end just simply so that they can finally finish out their contract and do something else. Yeah, I think a lot of the actors honestly... Uh, and no matter how much they got paid for it, because they were so wrapped into the show, they couldn't do so many other projects. They had to uh, not uh, commit to certain movies or deals or whatever. They had to keep their beards because otherwise it would uh, be in violation of the contract and stuff. Like, no, 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 no. Beard. Okay. Okay. Yeah. E word there. Guest starred. That's usually that's usually NF. Are we talking like they were a character throughout the entire season or just the uh okay. That's not guest starring, that's starring. Well, it could also be a matter of what aligned or not. Yeah. Because I don't know what the shooting schedule for Game of Thrones was. I don't know exactly how many reshoots they had to do, things like that. 
at least not off the top of my head, but Well, yeah, I well, I don't think it's going to happen for One Piece for some time, honestly. <laughs> like, even if they heavily adapt things and heavily speed things up, they still find themselves like, you know... Because so much of the stuff that happens in One Piece is mission critical for, like, the storyline or character development and other things like that. It's going to be... a bitch and a half to actually cut some of this stuff. Um, He's made estimates. Technically, where we are right now, the end should be over the horizon. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that five years is probably a careful and just estimate simply because he has stated like he the halfway point is uh funnily enough the halfway point where it is on the grand line because okay you know how uh they introduced the idea that there's the red line that circumvents the world north to south and then the grand line goes east to west on the circumference well, on the uh equator essentially Right? Well, that means that after entering the Grand Line, you end up hitting the Red Line again. And that was supposed to be the halfway point. Yep. In the story. Uh, taking the idea of until they got started again... Uh, essentially finally moving past that point in the story as, like, the actual point where the halfway mark uh, ends and, like, properly 50% done. Uh, we are still, like, maybe a year out in terms of chapters. I mean... Half the problem is is that I think Oda keeps on getting distracted by trying to introduce new characters, new places, new problems. Updating or just, world building. Yeah, just trying to make things work. Uh, in some ways, he does have the advantage of putting a lot of this, this stuff in at the beginning. Like One of the changes that he did for this is that the classical starting page of the manga is about Gold Roger. About him essentially kicking off the pirate age. Guess who isn't there on the execution platform? Garp. Vice Admiral Garp. Yeah, he isn't actually shown in the manga panels for that. He's retconned. I'm going to just simply say retconned, even though technically there was nothing to establish him not there or there or whatever. Uh, as being a part of the execution, essentially. I forget exactly where. Uh, Sometimes they do do stuff in the anime that they don't do in the uh, manga. Even though it's technically non-canon, I guess. 
Yeah. Uh, some things have been mentioned, like Garp is actually officially the one who captured Gold Roger. Yeah. Well, you find out at that later in the story. At least in the manga. In, mm -hmm. uh, in the live action, it's, well, kind of straightforward. It's like Garp's there. So, obviously, Garp's had something to deal with Gold Roger. And I think it just kind of gets hand-waved like, yeah, he was the one who captured Gold D. Roger. If you ask me, it's it's the reality of a uh, author having to come back to his work and trying to redo it again from the beginning. Especially in the different media. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's about trying to put in things that are important and are there when they should be introduced. Not to mention it's the fact that they had the actor on for the season and it makes sense that you would pose them in that situation to create, you know, causality. That he was there, the execution happened, and, you know, it's because he was the one who captured him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sort of has to be compared because in some ways it is a very good adaptation because I did go back through uh, the first hundred chapters of the manga, which, as I said before, is a rough adaptation because they have changed quite a bit and most of it is just simply dealing with the budget like they can't afford to have expansive set pieces okay you know that cat that cabbagey guy he just sort of taunts uh, Zoro throws some daggers and gets punched well choked out <laughs> well in the manga he gets an actual fight scene with Zoro. And that fight scene is on him on his unicycle, doing other acrobatic tricks and stuff while fighting Zoro. Now, you might be able to construct that as an actual fight scene. You might be able to get the stunt workers to agree to the ridiculous thing of having a sword fight on a unicycle. I don't think it was worth it, and that's why they cut it out. It's literally one chapter. Uh, if I remember correctly, it's probably stretched on a, a couple. But it's not that... Uh, again, it's one of those things of, like, is it really that important that they get this fight scene? Well, as I said before, I think a lot of it isn't so much condensing due to time. It's condensing due to budget. Because, as I said before, the logistics of trying to construct this fight scene would be insane. If this was just simply, you know, if this fight scene was absolutely necessary. Like, another good demonstration of this is, okay, the fight scene between Mihawk and Zoro does not take a place on top of a convenient platform in front of Baratier. 
it takes place on top of a ruined ship in front of Barate, where they're jumping, leaping, and, you know, doing a lot more movement. Admittedly, one thing that is to be stated is that a lot of the a lot of the visual things that key visual aspects of that fight are actually preserved such as Mihawk bringing out the tiny dagger and saying this is the you don't smallest knife you don't hunt rabbits with a cannon you don't hunt rabbits with a cannon uh he, the fact that he was able to block Zoro's swords with the point of his dagger. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, certain climactic movements of the fight are there. And, you know, the actual essence and meaning of the fight is preserved. Like the fact that Zoro loses quite definitively and swears... Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's actually... Yeah. Okay. We're just outright spoiling the show. Sorry. Yeah. Mm Like, you know, Luffy had stretchy powers. You know, Zoro was the swordsman. Yeah, that's not good. That's late. That's That's definitely not going to be showing up for a couple. Well, technically, we've already seen it. Uh, Yeah, there's a couple of fire dudes, okay? There's a, yeah, there's a couple of important fire dudes. No, no, no. I, I think you're just simply stating in terms of pop culture knowledge, you knew that One Piece was a thing. You knew some vague concepts that were played around with it. But outside of that, you had absolutely no idea what the plot was, what the titular One Piece is. You, well, technically, nobody knows what the one piece is. Shall. Yeah. Yeah. Including horrible, horrible fan subs. Yeah, uh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> Uh, it's more of like the first adaptation was bad because they 
probably spent far more to clean it up and supposedly edit it to whatever standards they had, which were very low. Yeah, Lord. Watch the four kids dub. Ben. Yeah, that's the reason why One Piece sort of failed in the West, or at least America initially, because it just got the worst representation. So uh, much, like, though, that quite literally, even voice actors in the industry were like, no, we, we need to get this corrected. I don't even know what Sanji's voice was. Bronx. Oh. Yeah. Think uh character that's lampooned in uh Lil Karibos. Yo, yo, yeah. Uh, Johnny I think Johnny Wheeler's type Bronx, but just make it easy like dial it up a couple notches more. And uh, they changed Zoro's name to Zolo. That one, uh, okay. Make wait, they actually did that for the four, four kids stuff. I believe so because the fact that they didn't want it to be it to be like sued by Zoro, Z O R R O. I think it is. I could believe it. Simply because, you know, uh, sometimes the copyright holders don't care if there's a, enough of a legal reason why they can't sue. It's the fact that they still need to do something to demonstrate that they are attempting to protect their copyrights, you know, preserve it. So yeah. sometimes they just do frivolous lawsuits for the sake of demonstrating that they're... Oh. Did I... Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's always been a critical problem with translation of Japanese uh, stuff, especially when it's clearly not a Japanese word. Mm hmm. Usually, if I was going to be satisfied with it, I would wait until, you know, the mangaka or author in question just simply uh, dictates, okay, it is going to be an R or an L, regardless of how silly it sounds. And I believe uh, Oda has, in fact, stated his name is Zoro. Z-R. Z-O-R-O. Um, but it... it it's one of those situations of like now I can see why you kind of avoided it because if all you that had your experience, it's sort of like really hard to change that perception. Well, yeah, it's easy to sell people on the concept. High seas powers, superpowers. It's like 
Yeah. Anything that was actually brought over or stuff that you got recommended because it was in Suncoast? Oxaflone! Yeah. Yeah, that is sort of the problem with any of these serialized shows. Like, uh, years ago, Oda actually ended up making uh, a thing of, like, some of the first, like, 20 volumes of One Piece technically are, like, free to read online. Simply because of the obvious problem of, well, what especially for Japan, where they do happen to have manga cafes and things like that, where technically you could wander in Uh, pay a very small fee and be able to read like whatever manga you want think of it like a semi public semi like drinks available library something like that yeah Uh, admittedly it has gotten pretty crazy in some ways if you actually look up on stuff like manga cafes and things like that okay Well, you'll probably laze about it and, like, go, oh, wow, no wonder why people live here. Uh, I'm not lying about that. Uh, the thing is... Actually, that's probably the thing that I want to praise the most, uh, and talk about. Well, here's the thing. I think one of the things that makes One Piece work, especially the live-action One Piece... Is some of the decisions going into it. Because I don't know if you know this. Uh, you do know Usopp is supposed to have a nose, right? Obviously, they decided that Usopp isn't going to have his no- classic nose. I think this feeds into the idea that they understand that live action is a different medium than a manga or a comic book. It's not as. You can't do certain exaggerated characterizations, features, or things. You're going to have to roll back on some of those because obviously, while they probably could give him a Cyrano de Bergerac sort of nose or that horrible prosthetic from Roxanne, (laughs) uh, you don't know what Roxanne is, right? Okay, search up the movie Roxanne. And you'll get the look of what it's what I'm talking about. Yeah, the thing is, is that they they could totally do that, 
but how distracting would it be? Like, while technically it's a key feature for Usopp in the manga, everybody makes fun of his nose, everybody recognizes him because of his nose, everything like that. Uh, I think in some ways they can't exactly do that because it would be distracting. In the same way if certain other characters acted more cartoony. To put it simply, uh, another aspect of this I think is, is with Luffy's character. Luffy in the original manga can be stated is often an idiot. He doesn't appear to be listening to things. He oftentimes like just decides to do things without thinking about it. Like I just got done with the uh, beginning of Ein's Lobby and it's like half of the problem starts because Luffy runs in first. <laughs> Without consulting, let's make a plan first. And surprise them. Nope. Admittedly, it's 100% on brand for Luffy to do this, but it's a thing of like, you know, that. Uh, I feel like they toned it down for live action. Like, yes, he's happy-go-lucky. Yes, he's spontaneous. He looks, he leaps before he looks. But I wouldn't call him an outright cartoonish idiot or imbecile yeah he he does he's not smart but he's not dumb if you understand what i mean and i think that's an important distinction for a certain amount of believability like you can take a, a comic book character a manga character and they can be very slapstick and very silly like Okay, when Luffy is in the comic, uh, when he's doing uh, being the cabin boy for uh, Baratier, he is doing really ridiculous things. Like, he sits down in a chair, listens to like the commotion of the kitchen, and everybody then yells at him, Hey, if you have nothing to do, then wash the dishes. And so he goes over and washes dishes. And breaks 90% of the dishes. Well, it's like, oh, hey, I'm going to eat this food as it's going out versus I'm going to eat this food that's, oh, it's already just simply sitting here in the uh, waste pile of the dishes. It's a very subtle difference, but I think there's a difference of, you know, this idea of what you would actually be able to respect for a character and not, like, break your suspension of disbelief or at least, you know, empathy for it. It's one thing to go, oh, hey, he's hungry and wants to eat some more food and just w decided to finish off what Sanji made because it was already going to be thrown away. And Versus, I'm going to eat this food as it's going out there, which seems like, wow, dick move, man. Yeah, and... I was going to say, like, after some experience in the food industry, yeah, line co uh, like the dishwashers and people in the back of the house... Some of them are like that, where it's like, oh, this person didn't finish their dish. I'm not sure about nowadays, but years ago, yeah, back of the house would do that. If there was, like, way too much food left on the plate, if somebody was going like, yeah, I haven't eaten, and there was nothing left uh, from the line cooks, some of them would eat off of people's plates. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's a difference between uh, what I'm trying to point out here is sort of like in a characteristic angle of what you would expect for a person to think. Yeah. A certain level of intelligence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at best, you either watch it because you're a fan of the original material and just simply want to have nostalgia go through your veins. Uh, actually, I saw somebody point out exactly why they didn't do too well, and it's because they probably were even more budget-locked than One Piece. Well, like, he points out, like, the idea of the set design is that this is supposed to be the future. So instead of, you know, uh, cars that you can purchase today still running around, being very clean, uh, it should be, like, future cars that look like they are already beaters. That this is the least likely to work well because these are the most unrealistic characters with the most unrealistic power set dealing with one of the most difficult environments to do well. The ocean. Here's the, that's what I'm trying to say here is I think that the difference here is that instead of an adaption that is just trying to, like, obviously a one-to-one -one adaption would be prime, except it would probably cost like, you know, <laughs> billion dollars. I mean, yeah, but then again, you're fine with, like, remakes. So. Well, what I think is the reason why it has succeeded, why I think it has succeeded, and what I'm trying to point out here with my arguments, is that the people behind it understand that this is live action. And there are some things you can do in life that there is a different tonality, a different sense of reality with using real people versus, you know, a uh, lines on a page, essentially. Regardless of whether, you know, those lines on the page can do, still do the same evoking of emotion from people, from, like, let's be honest, like, the scene where Nami is crying and breaking down and finally says, help me. 
in the original manga is just as powerful as the one they've managed to adapt for the live action. And it it's earned in both of them, honestly. Yeah. They had to modify a lot still. But I think a lot of that is also cultural differences. Um, I would probably point out, just yeah. for the audience, uh, Eiichiro Oda, the creator, had a huge stack of notes for the live action. Yeah, he actually, did. I did hear that supposedly they ended up, uh, they had to do a bunch of reshoots because they made some scenes and he said no. Yeah, he had a much, much more active role in the live action. So, yes, these edits and changes were approved by the original creator and not in the offhand. It was, yes, this is okay, this should work out, or no, that needs to be changed now kind of mentality because, like, I found an article earlier today that basically said the difference between the creator of Full Metal Alchemist and their live action and H.R.O. Oda was, the creator said, yeah, no, I just kind of left them to their own devices as long as they kept the major themes. And if you've seen some of the live action Full Metal Alchemist stuff, it's kind of cringe worthy. Unfortunate. <laughs> and that uh... was done in the home of, uh, like, that was done by a Japanese filmmaking team. Which, yeah, there shouldn't have been any problems of, like, cultural or communication or such. And generally with those, uh, with it being in the home, they tend to respect in a much more, they try and stay true to the source material as much as they can. But yeah, even Japanese audiences, like, were going, Ugh. Ugh. And... Yeah, and I'll be honest, when I heard that, oh, Netflix is doing live action, my thoughts, like, okay, what is it, One Piece? And I'm like, oh, this is going to turn off so many people from this property. So much so that it's like, I'm, I cannot recommend my favorite manga series to anybody now once this airs because... Although go like, oh no, I'll just watch the live action on Netflix. I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. Now it's more like, okay, do you want an easy start or do you want to go for a full full throttle? And the few uh, the one person I actually did talk to that's like, can I do an easy start? It's like, here, go watch the live action thing. And they're like, wait, what? Because they know me and they're like, you don't recommend stuff like that. No one's like, yeah, I don't normally do, but this one's okay. This one's good. Oh, yeah. Actually, it's made me very difficult to criticize the damn thing because 
I think there is some legitimate criticism, but it's not like it's the problem is, is that it's the criticism that I feel that if I point out, it's not going to be the thing of like, oh yeah, that's, I guess is a point against it or that it's going to be this sort of head slap of, I wish they, they actually saw this issue beforehand because they're going to hit, hit their own heads going like, oh, I wish we could have done that. Yeah, it's a matter of just simply how some of the things flowed. Like, okay, uh, Nami's sister. I'm trying to remember her name now. Um, Nojiko. Nojiko. Okay. Nojiko, if you didn't know this, has tattoos. Do you want to know why she has tattoos? Okay, things work differently in the manga, and I think, as I said before, this is a cultural difference. Uh, the villagers found out that, yes, Nami was essentially working for Arlong, trying to earn enough money back to get the village back. But they just simply kept up the lie as a matter of appearance, because, as I reread, it was a thing of, like, they didn't want to put even more pressure on Nami of thinking that she had to do this. Yes. Yes. They kind of knew from the get-go, in a weird way. Well, certain things did turn out differently, such as, like, Arlong's uh, kidnap Nami to make the maps versus her volunteering to make the maps. Uh, as I said, you know, they were in on the lie, essentially. Uh which sort of makes it far more depressing because when Nami comes back and says, like, oh, hey, I can earn the money back again, I, okay, she comes back to the village, says that, like, yeah, the money's been stolen, but she can earn it back. She can do it faster this time because, you know, she's learned so much. And the villagers is pretty much outright state, no, this is going to be it. We're going to either die here or never suffer this again. And it's still sort of this emotional uh, backlash to Nami because she's been tr desperately trying to keep everything working and functioning. And, and it's just simply like the last kick in her legs to make her fall to the ground, essentially. But anyway, the thing with Nojiko's tattoo is that she got the tattoo as a form of solidarity with Nami because she also got, you know, the Arlong tattoo. So that's why it's like sort of saying like, yeah, I'm still with you and like supporting you. Even if it is a bit of silent, silently. Obviously they gave her that tattoo. Now I feel like it could have been written in, in some way for the live action show of her also getting the tattoo at the same time Nami ended up getting her new tattoo. So you could still have that character beat of, like, you know, showing solidarity and saying, like, yes, we're family. It just requires, you know, a slight bit of, you know, tweaking of where it is in the story, which most of this adaptation really is about doing, is, like, changing certain places, certain set pieces, character actions, and things just simply so they can at least get to the same logical, you know, uh beats and like moments in the manga like 
I think the reason why they ended up changing like the entire complexity of you know the village Nami's village into believing the lie is just simply so it's slightly faster in terms of you know storytelling convenience because then you don't necessarily need to have so much of an arc with these characters uh which is sometimes unfortunate because certain moments didn't happen in the show so like a lot of reversals a lot of things of like how the fight changes and uh grows or like is shocking in the sense of like oh that happened how are they going to get out of that situation and stuff like that. So, and th there was one thing that I think we discovered after that brings up a huge question, but that's more of like foreshadowing for a future season because it involves a character that didn't show up in the season. Because I'll bring this up there are several characters, or technically, side characters and side villains that should have been there but were probably removed due to special effects budget or just quite literally time. Because, uh, like, I think I brought up the fact that uh, when we saw Buggy, we saw some of his helpers, like uh, Kabaji, and we did see Moji, who was that Weird yeah. guy with the sign. The sign. But we didn't see the third member of that trio, which is Richie. Which was alluded to with the whole, I thought you said we had a lion act. Because Richie is Moji's partner and is a giant huge lion. Uh, and as such, there were characters that were cut. Uh, some we actually did see a brief cameo. Others just upright disappeared. Well, yeah, we didn't get to see Pearl. We didn't get to see Pearl. We did get to see Gin. Yeah. And we did get to see Gin's captain, who was Don Krieg. For all of, what, 30 seconds? Eh, I would say a minute, because he did show up. He did sneer and then uh, try to attack uh, Mihawk and then get killed. Yeah. But it's thing uh, things like uh, that. But there were characters cut from Arlong Park that are kind of actually important uh, later in the story. Yeah. Admittedly, this character that was cut uh, would be a special effects nightmare. Because... You want to know who it is? Okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, the name is Hachi. He was an octopus fishman. So he would have had six arms. His head, unfortunately, is also very strange. Uh, let's just say it would have been very, very difficult to actually do that. Well, I think half the reason why he might have been cut is not only because they already had to concentrate uh, the three costumes for Arlong, Kurobe, and Chu, but it's also a question of, you know, if they introduced an extra fishman, that's one more fishman they need to fight and defeat. 
Actually, now that I think about it, there might have been one fishman that could have been Hachi. I don't know. It could have. I, I'm not saying he was. Well, but none of them were orange, so. Well, there's, there was that one that had the giant, huge, like, bull head. Well, yeah, but that's actually in the manga, like some of the fishman yeah. designs, so. But it's, they have addressed that, and this kind of leads into the future season because they have confirmed season two and we're going to be dealing with the Grand Line. Not to mention, uh, the rumor has come true. That they it, they have to keep this character and they're going to be working with the studio that did the prostheses for Sweet Tooth. Mother Netflix original series. Oh. I guess you didn't get that new bit of news. Oh, that's this may be new news. Yeah, uh, it has been confirmed. Ah, uh, uh, can't remember her name. Korea? No, the actress. Oh, oh. Uh, oh, I know. Uh, the the one. Yeah, I, uh, her. Okay. It sounds like she actually uh managed to cinch the role so yes I uh, think David talked about it as a rumor back on Saturday I, I'm trying to remember the name of the actress but she's like a very old uh, uh, like I can't remember her name she's very famous and she said to say no longer is beautiful as she was so now she kind of tries to play Old Crumb. Uh, let me see if I can do a search for it. Probably. Jamie? Yeah. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She. It's now confirmed that she's gotten the role of Doctor Kareha. Up. Yep. Here. Yeah. Uh, considering that she, Doctor Kareha is an important character to Tony Tony Chopper. Not getting into what Ooh, we're Tony Tony Chopper is. Uh, actually, that's another criticism that I do have. Oh, boy. Uh, I think I brought this up. It's really annoying with uh, when we have characters with anime hair surrounded by people who don't have anime hair. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that they should at least put some effort occasionally in the extras to give them something extra. Can I ask somebody with purple hair, please? Well, yeah, I know. It's just that it's, it's, sometimes One Piece can be, you know, uh, crazy enough that even extras, even like minor characters that we'll never get to see again or just are one-offs to happen to have that little extra uh, hint of, you know, characterization to them like uh so i just think that they should probably put just a tiny bit more effort because it's really annoying when you see like zoro's green head and everybody else is like normal well maybe it will be fixed once we get to the grand line where most of the people we're meeting are going to be crazy people. Crazy yeah. looking people. With, you know, anime haircuts, anime scars, 
the works. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's one of those things of one of the major cast members and actually a big fan favorite of mine, at least female fans. Uh, Tony, Tony Chopper. And that's like his, the debate about whether they were going to keep him was like, no, they have to keep him. <laughs> as much as you want to, that's probably not going to happen. I'll be honest, I it would be an okay solution, but uh, they'd have to get a company that uh, said to say, I don't think it's uh, that com uh, that company's parent company would allow them to. Yeah, yeah but uh, you have to ask, why didn't they get the season two of Dark Crystal? Was it just simply because not that wasn't enough for uh, people watching it, or was it also that their parent company said that you know they needed a huge split? Of the what? But uh overall uh i do have to agree that this is probably one of the best adaptations to date simply because nah. well i don't know the speed race or gun down a bunch of people in cold blood <laughs> hey you then you haven't seen the show Yeah, but there were some things that did not get to come over. No, no. <laughs> but overall, uh, I feel like one of the other problems is, is that uh, depending on exactly how much they can get done, I actually genuinely wonder whether it'd be a better idea to film double seasons. Yeah. Like, what I mean is, is that if uh, queuing up for the next season one year and filming only the principal photography of that one season, write out and scope out, like, the next two seasons, do principal for photography, and then just simply, you know, slowly do the CG necessary for uh, subs what's necessary for the next season, essentially. Because while it would be nice to believe that, you know, uh, the quality of One Piece is maintained, as I said before earlier with the entire thing with, you know, the Game of Thrones stuff, uh, 
I do hope that the crew doesn't end up becoming resentful towards it because I feel if they do, their performance is going to suddenly drop in quality. And that's going to really kill the show faster than anything. And I don't... Yeah. Well, yeah, but let's face it, it's very easy to say that when most of them, I think... Well, let's face it, most of them are unknowns, I think, as actors go, I think. Yeah, but none of them are A-listers. None of them are big stars. Most of them, yeah, have... I can easily believe some of them have been in the business for at least, you know, five years. Ten years, maybe. Because sometimes it does take a lot and long time to get it. Land something like this. Like, just slumming around with, like, commercials and extras and one-offs. So finally landing, you know, leading roles and such is a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, they're all great. That's the reason why this, uh, this is really well done. And I think many people are willing to just simply, uh, be entertained, even if it is, uh, changing a lot. Because going forward, uh, a lot of these actors are going to have to really, really give it them all, uh, give the, the series a, a lot of effort just simply to reproduce a lot of the uh, major emotional beats com coming down the line, essentially. Yes. Well... I think everything is said when Sanji opens his arms, ready to receive Nami, only for her to move past him and hug Zoro and Usopp first. <laughs> I mean, I think that did actually happen in the manga. I think it did. Uh, yeah, but, but that's the thing. Even if it didn't happen in the manga, because these characters are well-preserved, it's completely believable that that would happen. Especially since at this point, uh, technically speaking, Sanji didn't have that much interaction with Nami at that point. Yeah. But, eh, I mean, for all its changes and, uh, ad like, adaption points... I'd still recommend it. It's a good it, it's a good jumping off point because I am never going to recommend the anime to anyone. Not not because it isn't bad, but it's because quite literally the episode count is almost as big as the key manga. Yeah. Honestly speaking, I'm surprised they haven't done a uh, Dragon Ball Kai to it at this point. I mean, yes, but it's also the fact that because of how long the production has been, they've literally had, like, decades of people working on this show. And it's a big question of, you know, trying to actually 
compress it down into something usable might be far more difficult than, you know, Dragon Ball was. I mean, it, it has definitely surpassed Dragon Ball episode, uh, episode count. Yeah, when you when you hear that the unedited version of Dragon Ball Z, like 460 episodes? 256. Well, the idea is over 200, and the Dragon Ball Kai halves it, almost, or further. Like, it brings it down to, like, it's either 90-something or 120. Something yeah. between those two numbers, I think. And One Piece is at over 1,100 episodes, or close to Okay. Uh, does it also list the original uh, series amount of episodes? Okay. But as uh, admittedly, the other factor is that from what I recall, One Piece filler is weird. Not in the factor of like, oh, it's it, unlike Naruto or Bleach filler where it's like, here, we have like 20-some episodes, it's like, yeah, no, it's like three or four episodes, and sometimes they, it's like they'll start, uh, like, they'll finish off an arc for half an episode, and then the other half of the episode will be filler, and then the end of the filler will do the end of the filler for half the episode, and then go straight back into uh, story for the other half. Oh, almost 300. And then yeah, but it would still time. be like 300 episodes, Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Especially since you would probably be retired at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I had a coworker, bless his soul, he no longer with us for reasons. Uh he decided like I'm gonna go watch One Piece and I literally looked at him going like you fight? <laughs> yeah, but I know knowing Andy, he probably did like two or three episodes of One Piece and then like two or three episodes of something else, and then went back to one beat. Oh. Oh. Well, if he was doing the thing of a lot of people these days of watching it while doing something else. Uh, especially since the one thing which I could think of where he could have been watching it, technically, in the car while driving... Yeah. yeah, but I'm just thinking, like, how where could you watch it? And it's like, hmm. Yeah. I, I can't wait until uh, season two, honestly. Yeah. Because it's only going to get better. Well, until we get to that arc, but that's 
my personal opinion. Well, there's always something that could go wrong. There's a question of whether they can adapt certain things. Like, that's going to be the biggest problem, honestly, is that some things are just going to be hard as hell to adapt. Like, Whoa. Spoilers or non-spoilers? Uh, well, yeah. The problem is that there's just so much, especially next arc, because every island they go to is necessary for the plot. You can't cut out a single one of them. Yeah. Uh, oh. Really? That's Don Krieg. Really? I, admittedly, in the manga, it makes sense because, like, Don Krieg is the first threat that shows off that, yeah, there are ways of fighting Luffy that shows that he's not as invincible as you'd think he is. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he definitely fights a lot more tactically than the previous two, but then again, the previous two were literally Alvida, Morgan, oh, not Morgan, two, but Morgan and Buggy. Uh, Buggy, yeah. Because most uh, of those... Uh, no, well, also Captain Kuro. I forgot him. Yeah. Um... And as such, like, the re uh, admittedly, I kind of missed the whole shenanigans that uh, Don Creed show, because we barely, uh, we, we got to see one shoulder cannon. We didn't get to see other things like the bomb sphere, the Gatling stake thrower. <laughs> Yeah, let's just say he had a lot of hidden weapons and poison gas. Yeah. It still worked because, like, when you think about it, it's like, no, you can technically have Kuro show off that, yeah, that Luffy can be vulnerable because, well, knives. Whereas in... Don Krieg, it's like more of just showing off a mud bid, like fight a uh, loopy fighting against somebody that's much more tactical because Kuro was much more reactive to the situation, whereas Don Krieg was much more proactive about the situation. But it's still like, yeah, no, thinking about it, Don Krieg is kind of. He's they're just important to the larger scheme of things. And in terms of like fights they cut out, they did cut out a lot of fighting. Yeah. As you know, that this is based off of Shonen. So there's a lot of, you know, fights and contests and like competitions or whatever. And uh, 
I don't know. It's a thing of that. Well, the, that's actually one of the better things that they removed. That I don't know whether they're going to actually comment on it or not. That's Logetown. Oof. As they did hint at Smoker, which gets introduced in that part of the story. Yeah. And uh, there's certain things in there that continue throughout the story for, like, hundreds of chapters. Uh, especially one character that gets introduced that you only saw get solved uh, once you find the reveal of, you know, Luffy's grandfather. Which yeah. didn't happen in this one because he hasn't been introduced yet. Which may be because, you know, it's a bigger shock when he that happens. <laughs> Cody uh, is Yeah. But the actor that they got for Cody. Like thousand percent thumbs up. The actor they got for Helmepo, thousand percent thumbs up. Uh, it's actually rather difficult. Um, well, yeah, well, I would say it would have been Shu. Shu is a minor character. He is a dog. He shows up in the buggy arc, and he's has some funny moments and things like that, but his main purpose in the story is in some ways to demonstrate that Luffy isn't like the rest of the pirates. That he uh, respects the idea of people, you know, having their own treasures and dreams and such. But it's also a thing of, you know, he will take unholy revenge on you for uh, disrespecting somebody else's, you know, treasure slash dream. It's a rather simple character that's very early on and very easily you know you don't necessarily need him as demonstrated by the show it's like they try to dem do this with other characterization using the crew itself and that you know bouncing off how they feel about the situation how they think about pirates think about it from seeing luffy's expressions and thoughts and you know instead of using Shoe, they used Kaya as a jumping point to for Nami to realize that maybe, you know, uh, Luffy and the gang aren't th as bad as the pirates she actually knows, aka Arlong. Uh, I don't know. I actually was surprised at the amount of stuff that was in this East Blue arc, you could say that wasn't there that I didn't feel like I missed in the live action. But half of that, I think, is just simply that they managed to do a very good job of trying to introduce the characters and keep the characters to themselves. And even when it's a minor character, like the mayor or Shu, they're still there. It just feels like, you know, it's like an alternate reality where events played out slightly differently. Biggest character change. Buggy! Well, arguably, Garp got the most highlights. Yeah. not really that important of a character until later on, where he finally is properly introduced as Luffy's grandfather. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. literally. Quite literally. And it, it it's weird because, like, just kind of a spoiler, but after, like, Luffy basically punts Chibi Buggy, a.k.a. just the head, the hands, and the feet, Buggy doesn't show up until the town after Arlong Park. Low yeah. down, yeah. And obviously we did see the thing of, like, Buggy meeting up with Alvida because, well, yes, that that's where Alvida and Buggy meet is show up again. Um, I'm wondering how they're going to deal with Alvida at that point. Ah, uh, well, this goes back to the idea of certain things that they can do in a cartoon setting versus live action. Yeah, so I think Alvida will. Be Elvita, it's just going to be played differently. Yeah. Um, Either that or we are going to be shocked, as Luffy is in the manga, about yes. Elvita again. <laughs> um, But it's one of those situations of like, well, we won't know until we actually see season two. So we kind of have to sit on our laurels and deal with it. Yeah. But it, if people are going to go like ask me like uh, like where should I start for One Piece I'm going to ask them the most simplest questions like do you want an easy start or do you want to go in there eh, for the long run? And if people say easy start is like try the live action if you like it maybe ease yourself in maybe through the makeup anime if you are okay multitasking but make sure that you have that you're not just straight binging it because no offense I'm okay with the anime but dear god 11,000 uh, not 11 1100 episodes that's what, what was the timetable that we figured it out like 25 minutes per episode and it was a thing of that, okay, if there's been roughly over a thousand episodes with roughly, like if we cut out the ending and openings, which would put it sub 20 minutes per episode. I'm getting roughly about 19 days on my calculations, but yeah. It's and that's zero breaks. That that is like two thirds of a month, people. Mm-hmm. 